Hello, my friends. This is Dan Jones with another Quiet Talk to share with you today. To a church he personally founded, the church at Corinth, the Apostle Paul wrote these words, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures. Notice how he phrases this statement. It is of first importance. He was saying to these Corinthians, okay, folks, this is the biggie. There is nothing I will ever say to you that is more vital than this right here. Christ died for our sins. This is more important than your theories about creation, the young earth, the old earth, the gap theory more important than speaking in tongues, more important than how you think the second coming is going to pan out. Christ died for our sins. What does that even mean? Before I start, I want to say that behind this simple sentence is an infinite ocean of meaning that we can never really get to the bottom of. We can play around in the sand and maybe get our feet wet, but there is a mystery here that is beyond our little minds. How often do you look at a crucifix or some other depiction of the death of Jesus on the cross and say to yourself, I did that? It was our sin that made Calvary necessary. If there had been some other way for God to deliver us from the power and penalty of sin, I think he would have gone that route, but there was not. Christ's death was necessary. By our disobedience as human beings, we have opened the door to Satan and sin and death. We have turned our keep over to the devil. God gave man dominion over this world, and we gave it up. Only a man can get it back. Only the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. No sinful human could do the job. Only the sinless one, the holy Son of God, who came to earth as a man. As a man, Jesus went to his death to atone for our sins. Now, this is the part that we can't really fathom. What did it mean for Jesus to die in this way? Paul says in his second letter to the Corinthians that God made Jesus to be sin for us. He who knew no sin, he who was sinless and holy from all eternity, he made him sin so we could be made righteous. When Jesus came to that awful moment, the time of his arrest by wicked men, he said these words, have you come out? as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. When he said, this is your hour, he wasn't just addressing the soldiers who took him into custody. He wasn't just talking to Judas. He was really speaking to the powers of darkness the prince of darkness, who is Satan. 
In this moment, God the Father delivered up his one and only beloved Son to the devil. Satan, the arch enemy of Almighty God, he who hates God and all he represents, unleashed the full force of his wickedness against the Son of God. When we think of the cross, we usually focus on the unspeakable physical torture that was Roman crucifixion. Try to imagine having iron spikes driven through your wrists and then through your feet. And then think of what it felt like to have that cross lifted up so that the full weight of your body was resting upon those spikes in your flesh. Personally, I can't really imagine what this must have felt like, or maybe I just don't want to. Every time Jesus took a breath, he had to push up against those spikes in his feet in order to inhale. In the physical sense, he probably eventually died of congestive heart failure as the fluid built up inside his chest. The spear driven into his side reveals this as blood and water flowed out from the body of our precious Savior. But it was not really the physical suffering that was the worst. The worst thing for Jesus was having the sin of all humanity laid upon him there, and then for God the Father to step aside and let Satan have his way. Jesus suffered the pains of eternal hell there on the cross. This is the part we can't really enter into. How could Jesus suffer eternal hell in the space of a few hours? I don't know. But if he is our substitute, the atoning sacrifice for sin, then it must be so. The ticking of the clock really has no relevance here. Jesus could have gotten out of this. He said at the moment of his arrest, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once Send me more than 12 legions of angels. But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? Because of his love for you and me, he drank that bitter cup. Jesus' disciples really didn't understand what was happening to him. In the garden, he asked them to stay awake and pray with him. He said, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. As the horror of what he was about to experience began to become real to him, Jesus thought that the weight was so great that he was going to die right there in Gethsemane and so fail to complete his mission at Calvary. So he begged them to pray, but they fell asleep. In his mercy, Jesus sent angels to strengthen him as Jesus sweat blood there in prayer. Christ died for our sins. All that he experienced, all the hell that he willingly suffered, he did for us. He did for love. Jesus is God's one and only son. I, on the other hand, have six sons. I love them very deeply. Years ago, One of my sons was out in the yard with some neighbor boys, and for whatever reason, they encircled him, began taunting him and throwing things at him. 
They didn't realize that I happened to be looking out the window at that moment. So I said to myself, I will deliver up my son to these wicked people. I will stand aside and watch in sorrow. You're right, that's not what I did. I tore out of the house like a crazy man and told those boys to get off my property and never come back. I know they must have thought I'd lost my mind. Perhaps I did temporarily. Any father would have done the same, and some would have done worse. At least I didn't do anything that got me arrested. But my friends, when the strong bulls encircled Jesus Christ, to use the words of the psalmist, his loving father did stand aside. He didn't intervene as I did to protect my son. He watched as all the wickedness of the cosmos was directed at the precious soul of our Lord. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? How could a loving father give up his most loved son to such a fate? I can't imagine. But one thing I know, he did it for love of sinners like you and me. There's a wonderful old gospel song we used to sing called Such Love. Listen to the words. That God should love a sinner such as I, should yearn to change my sorrow into bliss, nor rest till he had planned to bring me nigh. How wonderful is love like this. Such love, such wondrous love, such love, such wondrous love, that God should love a sinner such as I. How wonderful is love like this, that Christ should join so freely in the scheme, although it meant his death on Calvary. Did ever human tongue find nobler theme than love divine that ransomed me? That for a willful outcast such as I, the Father planned, the Savior bled and died. Redemption for a worthless slave to buy, who long had law and grace defied. And now he takes me to his heart, a son. He asks me not to fill a servant's place. The far-off country wanderings are all done. Wide open are his arms of grace. Such love, such wondrous love, such love, such wondrous love that God should love a sinner such as I. How wonderful is love like this. All I can say, Lord, is thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you gave up your son. Thank you, Jesus, that you went to Calvary and you bore my sin. Christ died for my sin so that I can be free, so that I can be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. My friends, we are seeking to proclaim this message that Christ died for our sins here in the capital district of New York State, Albany, Schenectady in this area. We have a, a new fellowship called the Bread of Life Anglican Church. We meet Sundays at 10 o'clock in the morning at the American Legion Hall, which is at 1809 Union Street in Schenectady. We ask you to pray for us, and if you're in the area, if you don't have a church home, you're invited to be with us Sunday at 10 o'clock, 1809 Union Street. And as always, you can reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com. May God richly bless you.